0: This is Bragg, son of Balan, and you're listening to Light the Beacons, a LOTRO podcast. Welcome to the world of Middle-earth. Beacons are lit. Lotho calls for aid, and Brog shall answer. Amon Dean, how glad I am to say those words again Welcome back to Like the Beacons, a low podcast Focusing on low-tech microphones, subpar sound effect bumpers, and crappy editing This is episode number 46, long-awaited And I'm your host, Bragg of the Lonely Mountain Red-headed stepchild and dwarf of ill repute I'm Broadcasting live from temporary LTB MEWHQ Like the Beacons Middle Earth White Headquarters For you new viewers out there here in Landreville, of all places. What, what, what? Dorothy, we're not in Kansas anymore. I kind of feel funny, like when I climbed the rope in gym class. Small fish, big pond. Brag, can't even stop a grand. And here I stand, atop the pier in Minas Tirith, in the wonderful world of Landreville. Uh, At least some of my tunes are More on that later Um, Things around me look about the same Except maybe the chat window flying by faster than it used to But uh, we'll talk about some of the differences In the world transfer process And some of the new elements I have noted in this world A little later in the podcast But right now I've got oodles to talk about So let's just move on to our second beacon Very good, Ilanok. First, it's time for all the crap that is fit to print: corrections, retractions, and apologies from last week. So, last episode, episode, you may remember um, our special "Light the Bacon" episode, inspired by events in our podcast community. Uh, we offended uh, vegetarians. Basically, that's it. Oh, and uh, the Maladrim as well, Maladrim. But in some respects, vegetarians and Man Dream are pretty much interchangeable, so no big whoop. And to you all, I issue a solemn and heartfelt belch. Uh, viewer comments. No iTunes reviews, but a couple folks did write in. From Braggenthorn, my erstwhile name patriot. Hello, Bragg. I'm glad to see your work continue. Sometimes I feel I've right-clicked my way through Middle-earth. Um, I think he's referring to my discussion of some of the menial tasks around the game that comprise uh, typical MMO. For the last few years, I wish the devs could put more into quests, but there will always be mundane tasks to deal with. That is our lot in life. And something Tokium would have approved of, I believe. I think they rushed Minutes Tirith. I expected a Thanksgiving release. Yeah, I think most of us did. That uh, could be true to some degree. Uh, Braggenthorne believes it could have used more time in QA testing uh, especially uh, fixing issues uh, that uh, need to be resolved in big battles that were still a bit off and buggy. Uh, He would love to have seen a fully useful functional, timely and informative game launcher UI, uh, referring to some of the critique I gave regarding the uselessness of that platform in Turbine's current management. Um, he believes that Lotro currently, and for some time, has had the worst UI launcher in the industry as far as communications are concerned. Uh, all the negative aside, he's still enjoying the game and looks forward to more. Is uh, Star Wars The Old Republic still without in-game chat? Pretty big deal-breaker there. Yeah, I'm not sure. I've actually never played SWTOR. Um, of course, with The Force Awakening this week, that could change at some point soon. I'm sure there'll be a Quite a boost, I would imagine To uh, people going out there And trying out that game In the wave of the Star Wars revival Um, You know, I always thought That that was a huge, epic fail On Turbine's part That they never really seemed to try to take advantage Of the movie premieres To spur interest in their game Uh, Hopefully, SWOTOR is a bit more tuned in Regarding the, you know The spotlight that's on the Star Wars universe right now And uh, results in some Additional gameplay for them Braggenthorne says, keep lighting whatever you have to, Master Dwarf ha ha ha, best regards, the other brag. Uh, also heard from friend of the show, Tommy York. He said he's been enjoying the update a little more now that he's away from the main city and questing in the landscape. So onward to uh, I believe it's Care Andros in Northern Anorian. Um, as far as the new armor sets go, because I was talking about some of the essence gear and whether it was worth mining, he says I'm still forgoing the use of any essence gear. I've stuck with Guildcrafted and the DA non set. Which has some nice set bonuses depending on your class, and he's not run into any problems just leaving it that. Um, certainly not not an issue in the landscape as you mentioned, uh, and certainly not the number of raids being run in the game that used to be, where uh, some of that min-maxing might have been more important. Um, He recently hit Kindred and Gondor, so no need to run the dailies. Unless, of course, you want to build up those Silver and Orion tokens. I believe it's only 30 for each Enflask scroll of Empowerment. And gosh knows we all need those if we want to uh, invest in the ally arms race. Um, he may pick up some pieces purely for cosmetic reasons, he says. He's not into epic battles either, but they obviously have to be run for the story. He says he stood by Gandalf during both of them and just watched the people running around for 20 minutes in the cutscenes. Um, and he completed it at silver with two side quests completed. Nice. <laughs> by doing absolutely nothing. Well, that could be worth doing. I guess if you're sitting around, start the big battle and just rake in a few rewards here and there. I wonder if that's been tweaked or fixed. He says, he ran the hammer uh, one later with a six man group this time actually trying to do whatever it is you're supposed to do, run around like a chicken Uh, the instance bugged at the end so they lost out on their merit rewards yikes, that would suck and uh, I can see how that might reinforce some negative stereotypes there um He says it's pretty silly that he did better just standing and observing in the one that he tried. Yeah, that is pretty sad, and I haven't gotten back to epic battles on any of my tunes yet, although my second tune, uh, Through Gondor, My Captain, is quickly approaching that part of the epic story, so we'll be delving into those again soon, and I'll see if there have been any improvements or any changes since the last time I ran through them. Um, you know, I've been quite busy with the server transfer nonsense, so it's not surprising I haven't found time. All right, in Community Spotlight, I wanted to mention that, uh, the host of Lotrocast, Alboros, cheers to Alboros, who announced on the show that he has found a Luthien to his Baron, and soon they will be getting hitched. Uh, congratulations, better you than me. Uh, also, episode 300 of MMO Reporter... It uh, supposedly was coming out, uh, I haven't, I didn't get a chance to look today, but as of yesterday was not yet published, but should be available this week, that'll be fun to chime in on and see what kind of uh, special guest stars and or events they had during that. Uh, I did listen just this week to the Minas Tirith Review um, podcast for Lotro players, and uh, one of the things they were talking, I'm not through all, all of it yet. But one, two differences I wanted to note about some of their opinions. Um, some of the folks were saying they hated the side quests for the Rammus Um You know, the... I think the feedback was that the various bosses are hard to find because they can spawn one in one of many locations. He thought the quest structuring was um, was a bit awkward because he didn't grab them all the first time and he actually had to end up going back into the instance to, to finish the second round. So, you know, I would think that's a mistake you make once. I'm not sure I would critique them for that. Um, I think most people, maybe after one go through, would understand to pick up all the quests before you go in. And I, I'd say I have to disagree on this. I think this is an efficient way to do dailies. It's nice, you know, taking advantage of the landscape out in the Pelennor fields, which you're not going to get a lot of exposure to. I think the quests are packed pretty tightly in so that you can go around and do one run to scoop them all up. And the fact that the bosses can be one of several places, I think... uh, Tends to help them, you know, not getting fully predictable. At least there's some element of difference in run to run, so that they have uh, an element of freshness in them, finding the different bosses. I mean, I, I found that they basically spawn in just a couple spots, and I'm going to make that big circle as I'm going to pick up all the side quests anyway. So it's not like I'm, you know, I haven't run into a circumstance where I just couldn't find the last guy and I was stumbling around, had to fight my way through three, four times before I located him. So I haven't had that issue. Um, so right now I'd say I disagree, and I do like the fact that they're public instances, whereas in Dol Amroth they were private instances. Um, with the increased foot traffic around the release, especially now that I'm in landerville I'm finding lots of people to, um, you know, if not formally group up with, informally burn down mobs with. <coughs> Just get those AOE skills ready and tag, tag, tag. Um... He did. Uh, I did want to uh, give credit where credits due, though. They were talking about the hating the side quest of Forlong and his buddies drinking in the Merry Swan. Uh, I, I'm thinking about renaming him. I'll be asleep before long. <laughs> Kind of like that one. Um, if you keep sending me on quests, so yes, it's an extremely long quest line. Yes, you have to run back and forth uh, to the Merry Swan umpteen times to get through it. Um, I thought their idea to have each quest uh, return to a different pub in the city as part of a pub crawl was brilliant. Uh, that would be fantastic. I heard Turbine was listening on that. I would certainly, uh, make it much more interesting after you pick up each quest area to run to the next pub in the town and, uh, have it advance that way. How how much, you know, that's just one of the best ideas I've heard in a long time. So, uh, credit them to coming up with that on the spot. I'd love it if that was implemented, uh, because I'm going to have multiple odds going through Gondor, I'm sure, over time. Um... In general, I think the pubs of Minas Tirith need to be a thing. So, you know, think Ale Association and In League, new deeds or quests for upcoming festivals. You know, I know you like to put all festival events in the lobby areas, but you you really need some content. I mean, you went to all the time to make them all unique, to have them sprinkled all over the city, all kind of special in their own way, and, uh, you know, we need to take advantage of that. Um, so I think a deed to visit all the pubs, or to drink a beer in each one, or um, an in league or ale association-related quest to do them all in a certain time limit. Um, you know, certainly the community can rally around and um, you know sponsor weekly pub crawls or as part of Ails and tales and the like. That would be great. Uh, I know it's a high level area again, but I still think, you know, since it's the hub for now, that there could be things that could be done with it. So um, I recommend uh, Turbine do some thinking about that. As a matter of fact, while I'm on the subject, Minas Tirith is ripe for some additional deeds. Uh, first of all, the one everybody expected leaping off the pier at the top of Minas Tirith. Everybody thought that was going to be a thing, right? Certainly. You can get a blind leaper in Moria. For jumping off five places that you never heard of, um, but uh, leaping off the top of the minister, they had to know that was one of the first things everybody that went into this new area was going to do. You know, if you sit at the bottom, you can still, guys, see people flying down from above every once in a while. So it got me thinking: what if this is a hidden deed, like? Uh, I believe it's Master Ascender you get in Enidwaith for going up to the top of Nars Peak. It's either like 10 or 12 or 15 times. Maybe people don't know it yet, but you do get a deed if you jump off more than 10, 11, 12, 13 times. So I'm going to take it upon myself. As far as I know, I've jumped off the pier at least four times maybe five on my main character brag and so just for funsies i'm gonna say it's four and i happen to be at the top of the pyramid here right now and here goes number five we am falling over a world and i'm dead retreat And here I am, standing right next to almost where I died. And uh, in the course of podcasting here, I'm going to try to win my way back up to the top. Wouldn't it be amazing if I discovered the deed live on the podcast? I don't know if I can talk and do this at the same time. Um, We'll see how many repetitions I can get by the end of the podcast while I'm talking. Maybe I'll just pause every once in a while and run back up. Okay, we're back in the sixth circle we take about a minute per run. I'll do one of them live here. Okay, so I'm turning the corner. Oh, they got little lamps that you get hung up on. Okay, so I'm on the ramp heading up to the top tier. I do find if you hug the outer wall, sometimes you can make that turn. Bragg does ride a heavy steed, so his agility on this and turn radius is not quite so fantastic. They got little ridges sticking out from the wall for you to get caught on. Oh, uh, very good. Password made the door. alright heading up the stairs the sky is red in Gondor today there's lightning flashing down the top of the pier is quiet haven't seen any bands playing or festivals going on up here recently this would be a great place for a wedding I've heard people get married in game wouldn't you want to get married at to the top of Minus Tier, it's just like in the movie? Sure you would. We're coming near the edge, and oh, here goes at least number six. And I am dead. <laughs> you collapsed from injury, sustaining a fall. Retreat. Alright, that's six. Alright, we'll take a break from that We'll come back to it I'll let you know if I jump off for number 7 Could be the the most useless uh, time ever spent in game that I've had But uh, actually I can't even say that After 7 or 8 years in this game I've done lots of stupid stuff that's worse than this There's no question Alright, Forums Insider. So they did, this is old information I started posting a while ago. They, the remaining server transfer schedule were Silverload transferred on December 2nd, Windle December 3rd, and Vilia on December 7th. Snowborn and Meneldor were the only two servers that were left at that point, and I believe they both have been triggered this time as well. Um, So what else has been going on in the forum? Since that time they have published an extended server transfer schedule um, which shows windows of opportunity for people to move in between the remaining servers over time and that's of interest to me as well and I'll cover that in a future beacon a little bit uh, in the a little bit down the line here so we'll save that information. the only other thing I can think of uh, out there in the forums, there was a, a small blurb where uh, Vivian, our executive producer, did confirm that there were no plans for a mounted combat epic battle, which some people were speculating might be the way they would try to cover the charge of the Harem in the Pelennor fields. So uh, based on that information, uh, which is not terribly surprising, um, it looks like we'll be in a situation where they'll probably try to share the majority of that story through, uh, I'm guessing, session play and uh, maybe have um, backgrounds like they did in Wolf's Cleft where you can try to get the enormity of the armies and we'll be kind of in different areas uh, examining vignettes. Um, I do think there's some pretty good credence to the, uh, the um, prediction that we could end up playing Mary in session play to watch the confrontation between Eowyn and the Witch King. And I think that would be pretty cool, actually. So I'd be excited for that. Um, I trust them to tell the story and tell it well. We all know that the ride of Rohirrim is one of the most, uh, you know, one of my favorite scenes from the movies. From Peter Jackson, kind of gets my 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 uh, even even as a dwarf gets uh, something caught in my throat every time I watch that scene. Um, And uh, you know, certainly in the books, is one of the premier events of this age. Um so let's talk a little bit about the agenda. This week's episode, we're going to see what we've been doing in game these past few weeks, more than a few. Uh, we're going to discuss a small independent game that I played recently called Richard and Alice and the role of independent games in the marketplace. We'll discuss my experiences with Lotros, uh, perhaps once in an MMO time event, the mass exodus of Vilya, and the world transfers and consolidations. And if there's any time remaining, we will include a very special Christmas carol featuring three of Middle Earth's most admired singing voices. But for now, it's time to move on to our third beacon. We are at Nardal, this week in gaming and or other Tokyo news. But before we do, I'm at the top of Minas Tirith and I'm taking plunge number seven. Over the edge, looking up, looking back, looking down, looking all around, and splat. (laughs) Okay, unlike some falls in Moria, this is one I have not yet survived. (laughs) It's not like going down the well, apparently. Well, it's only seven tries. Who knows? Maybe one of these times. All right. So seven falls and no hidden deed yet. Darn it. Uh, let's move on. what what have I been doing? so I've been three weeks have passed three plus weeks unfortunately and uh, I did finish playing portal 2 um, during that time frame. Um, I discussed it a couple times during the course of the podcast and uh, you know so I don't have to belabor it, but I will say that um, the ending of the game was uh, was a fun little twist. it was cinematic, it was well done. it uh, kind of left a bit of a cliffhanger regarding. You know, now that you've found your way, I don't want to spoil it for anybody, but now that you've found your way to the surface and, uh, you know, you see what's, what's left, you still don't know exactly what's transpired with uh, the general populace, um, you know, on the surface of the planet and what time period you're in and what's going on. So there's lots of great lore that, uh, that they built around the portal the Portal franchise at this point. Pretty sure that they're hard at work building a Portal 3, if not they should be, and uh, if they do I'll certainly be in line to play it once the price is reasonable. Um, I will say that coming off this game I was impressed enough from this title to take a look at uh, some of the humble bundles that came out in early December, um, or some of the Steam sales, I should say, that occurred uh, over this past couple weeks, and uh, was able to procure um, on the you know on the on the popularity of Portal 2, the same Steam Valve group made Half Life, which I'm sure a lot of you folks are familiar with. So, was able to buy Half Life 2 for less than five bucks. I can't remember what it was. It was it was about five dollars, I think, as far as I can recall. Um, You know, based on the quality of Portal 2, I'm looking forward to playing that at some point. Uh, I've heard a lot of good things about it, and uh, the price was right, so there you go. Um, As far as the other Steam sales, there were a few things out there that I had my eye on. almost pulled the trigger on Shadow of Mordor, but reminded myself I've got plenty of games lined up. The more I wait, the more it's going to go down. I'm sure it's going to be in my plans for 2016, but I bet if I wait until about halfway through the year, I'll be able to get it for under $7 at some point. Uh, I would imagine. That's my prediction. I did not play DDO, Secret World or Marvel Heroes, although Marvel Heroes has Iron Fist coming out soon, which uh, was a favorite of mine back when I was collecting comic books. That would be kind of fun. Uh, Clash of Clans had a big new update that came out. I know not everyone that listens is a Clash of Clan player, but um, they kind of really revamped the balance of the game. There's lots more loot that's available. Um, there's more flexibility in how you manage your shield to promote action. I, you know, sometimes there was a uh, periods of time where you were. You you were afraid to attack somebody because you knew as soon as you did and your shield was down, you would be attacked within the minute that you logged off, every time. And uh, now the way they've uh, structured it is you lose some of your shield for each attack, but not all of it. Um, So you can, basically, it promotes you to play more, um, which is more exciting and is more rewarding as well. Um, Progress should be more rapid and fun, and I think they really helped. Um... You know, and they they made changes to the game that countered some of the strategies I've seen people use that are kind of gaming the system a little bit. Um, you know, there's people that keep their town halls outside of their walls um, in order to because the penalty for getting attacked is relatively low, and um, you know they know they can get a shield that way without losing resources necessarily, so they made it more expensive to put your town hall outside in terms of um, in terms of the trophies that you lose and the loot that you lose in the town hall as well. Um, there was a approach I saw where people would attack that a fairly high level where they would launch an archer and put like four or five healers on that archer, and uh, that archer could almost clean up the entire you know the entire um, the entire clan uh, that it was attacking with that many healers on it because nothing could bring its health down. So they made a change to make sure that for each successive healer healing a single um, a single mob, that there were some um, declining. Uh, productivity or declining value in doing that, basically. You know, for each additional healer, your uh, your returns on the heal for your archer would be less and less, which makes it less viable of a strategy. So I think they're really out there looking at, uh, you know, how the game is played and what people are doing to kind of, you know, get around the strategies that are popular instead of, you know, fully attacking and, and making good changes. And uh, and I think that the, uh, obviously, the increased loot is increased, you um, uh, you know, my progression in the game because I just made the master level for the first time uh, this past week which uh, came with a nice little uh, thousand gem bonus, which is normally stuff that you would have to purchase or earn a little bit at a time. So nice big chunk which uh, I'll probably be using on another expo or some other form of defense sometime soon. <coughs> I did not play Star Trek Online recently. I did take a couple of hours out to play a small independent game called Richard and Alice, which I'll talk about a little bit later in the podcast. And then the big one, uh, after finishing off uh, Portal 2 and Richard and Alice, um, I started Batman Arkham Asylum, which I got last week for cheap as well, because I think that game is like at least two years old now. Uh, But I got the Game of the Year edition when it was on sale um, a while back, and it's been sitting in my queue. So what do I like about Batman Arkham Asylum? Well, first of all, I'm Batman. <laughs> I could probably end the list right there. I'm Batman! Uh, graphics, graphics, graphics. So, obviously, I, I love the graphics in Lotro, but when you play a game like a Skyrim or an Arkham Asylum or something that's been, uh, came out in the last year or two, you certainly notice the difference, and it is nice to see those rich environments and uh, character models. Um, the island of Arkham that he's on is a complete little world. Uh, though, who the heck is running this asylum, I should ask? There's some seriously messed up stuff in here. It's a little dark, um, you know, my, uh, one of my 13-year-old baby, baby dwarfs once is playing the game, but the, the one that's younger than that, uh, I have, uh, I have forbidden for now, at least. Um, There's some pretty dark stuff around the asylum. I don't know who's running this place, but it's a mess. Uh, Like some of the stuff they have in here, I can't believe that uh, they need some kind of quality control or inspections going on or something. But uh, it's a a bit of a mess. But anyway, it is a cool environment. Um, I did notice that uh, it had maybe the biggest HVAC contract in the history of modern construction because there seems to be a vent that Batman can crawl through in every room to go anywhere he wants. (laughs) hidden and behind the scenes. Um, and they're all huge. They're all big enough for, you know, a, a, a giant armored behemoth man like Batman to, to climb through with no problem. Um, I've already had some mini battles with Bane and Scarecrow and I'm sure, uh, Killer Croc, Harley Quinn and Joker will all make appearances soon. Uh, perhaps some other characters as well. So that's always fun to see kind of iconic villains like that, uh, all together in this kind of environment. So what do I dislike about the game? Um, so they, they they use some clever controls uh, when you're navigating around the island to make sure that you don't go into areas that you're not ready for in terms of the story. So they kind of funnel you through the areas. It's it's definitely it's it's an open world to some degree, but there are places that are sealed off that only open as you hit significant milestones in the story. So I understand why they do that, um, and. Uh, you know, I agree with it. It just makes it sometimes uh, some of the places you're supposed to go next are a little hard to find because you can see where you're supposed to go to on the map, but half the entrances are sealed off with, you know, elect- electro seals or, you know, force shields or whatever the case may be, and uh, you got to explore a little bit to figure out how to get there. Um, the combat for trash mobs really features some awesome moves, uh, but they're all triggered via the same mechanic for the most degree. I mean, you know, it's a a left mouse click. Uh, If you tie in them and move in different directions you can affect who you're attacking and how many attacks in a row and so forth, but it it is a little button mashy. What the character does on screen with those button clicks is pretty cool, but it's not like I'm, you know, doing all those moves. Uh, There are some variations, some things that you can do for kind of finishing moves. So I guess it's pretty standard for PC. Um, All in all, it's pretty good. Um, If a little bit uh, one-dimensional. Um, there are stalking missions in the game that I uh, have failed multiple times they do take patience so oftentimes you can't uh, if, if the combatants that you're trying to take out are armed you can't um, afford a frontal assault, they'll take you down so you need to sneak around above them and behind them and get the drop on them and take them down with kind of silent finishing moves um, and sometimes it's, uh, it can take a while to get them off on their own far enough that you can do that without attra- drawing attraction and getting yourself killed um, so it takes a little bit of patience. And lastly, I don't like um, I don't like when I'm not Batman. but it is a fun story. enjoying it. Uh, good modicum of challenge there, uh, but nothing. I think that's gonna hold me up and uh, a good change of pace. So what have we been doing? Let's get to Lotro. Uh, brag. Has finished off his remaining deeds in Eastern Gandor, Gondor. Gondor. Um, did a, the treasure hunt event came out this past week? Did a couple quick runs, but really, there's nothing new there that I want. The only thing that would be of interest um, would be if I could win the uh, treasure-laden treasure treasure-laden pony. I have the goat. Uh, that I've gotten from previous treasure weekends uh, but not the pony which would be kinda neat to have and you'll only get that if you get the uh, huge treasure cache um, which I did not happen to locate um, but I had some claws and gems lying about uh, so I just used those up basically and did a few runs uh, but in finishing Eastern Gondor so I had some Slayer deeds left I had Orcs, I uh, had Haradrim so the orcs and trolls. I also had trolls. Um, so let me talk about the Howard dream first. Best place to get those done is out in the Pelennor Fields. There's campments that are filled with them, um, kind of on the southeastern part of the Ring. And uh, one thing I noticed as I was farming those camps to get the deed done is that uh, you know occasionally you'll be walking along and it's kind of smoky and it's dark and it's you know there's tents all over the place and you can't see that far and you round a corner and you'll see a of a wrinkly pillar column grayish dark you don't know exactly what it is until you realize you've almost walked into a 414k Mumak <laughs> that is towering over you you know probably 60 feet tall or whatever the case may be uh looks twice twice Towers twice as high for a hobbit or dwarf, obviously. Um, so these Mumak are spread kind of throughout the Hard Dream camps. And, uh, you know, you, yeah, I, I haven't tried the solo one. I'm guessing it would not go well. Um, it, but mostly I haven't tried it because it would just take a long time. <laughs> um, with my guard, I guess it's possible I'd have to look at it. But uh, I did notice what is fun is, uh, by the way, uh, about the most fun you can have. It's maybe This is maybe the best time ever I've had in combat. Especially mounted combat in LOTRO. Some of you guys may have experimented with this. If not, you need to try it. If you have a heavy steed, uh, war steed, the top spe- the top DPS, redline DPS skill, with a heavy war steed is called trample. And you've seen it. You've seen people, you know, attacking more bands on war steeds and they turn on trample and it looks like they have a little force shield in the front of their horse and everything they hit goes flying, you know, 50 feet in any direction what what uh everyone may not realize however is that you can use this trample skill on the mumak <laughs> You know, these huge honking things, they're 60 feet tall, they probably weigh 50 tons. And if you hit that with your little tiny warsteed, dwarf on a little tiny warsteed pony, that bo- bad boy will go flying through the air like you would not believe. So basically, you know, if you hit you guys who use trample, you know that if you, if you, um, If you angle it right so that when he lands, you hit him again, you can hit him multiple times before your Trample runs out. And you can hit him like three, four times in a row, and he'll go flying that same amount each time. So if you turn on Trample and hit a Mumak, you can can like throw him across the Pelennor basically. sometimes these guys go flying. They get hung up on tents or on walls. I mean, you can bang these guys around. It's hilarious looking. So you got to try that if you haven't done it before. Um, The other Slayer Deeds I needed were orcs and trolls. And uh, the nice thing about those is that they can both be done on the southern uh, daily repeatable. So you can do two birds with one stone. You can kill orcs and trolls in the southern Ramas Deluan daily. And you can build... um, Build the tokens you need for Amphilas uh, Scrolls of Empowerment. Doing that, as well as uh, gaining up if you still need it, so that's nice. But here's my beef. Uh, the Slayer numbers in Eastern Gondor are pegged at 150 for the for the basic and 300 for the advanced, right? Not so bad. It's about the same as most other places you're going to find. And, you know, they're worse in some of the lower areas of the game. The problem is the Trolls have the same amount, 150 and 300. And they have twice the amount of hit points as the Orcs. so Or the Haradrim or anything else. So, really, 300 Trolls, you know... Fix this, Turbine. It needs to be 75-150 for Trolls, to be fair. Okay? If you want to make it a little more rounded out, fine. Go to 100-200. 150-300 for Trolls is ridiculous. And one other thing you could do to make it help, make half Trolls count towards the deed. Half Troll is still a freaking Troll, okay? At least give me half a point. I don't care. Half Trolls should really count towards the Troll Slayer deed because you're going to be killing those around the Pelinar anyway. At least it would help. All right, so I would probably do both. 100, 200, and have trolls counting, and then it's reasonable. But I think everybody that's trying to finish off all the Slayer Deeds in Gondor, which you need for your 79th class trade point, um, is going to be hung up on trolls. Um, you know, and either pacing through the causeway forts or farming them inside that uh, public instance like I mentioned. So I think you all probably um, have a great... Violent agreement with me on managing there. The last one I had to finish up with beasts, um, which uh, you know it seems like the easiest thing to do is to kill wargs in the causeway forts. But then I remembered there's lots of those silly um, frilled lizards in the cisterns. So to the cisterns for the frilled lizards, uh, the grod bugs, unfortunately, that are in there don't count. Um, but the beasts is one of the only ones you can't do inside of either of the dailies instances so um, you know I did the dailies for maybe a week and a half straight and earned maybe three extra Amphalus scrolls of empowerment while I was doing trolls and orcs but for my beasts slayer deed I hit the cisterns with uh, a deed accelerator of course and uh, you can make a circuit of there pretty reasonably just skipping you know, skipping all the the, um, the goblins that are in there and, and hitting only the uh, the lizards in order to get that done. So that's my recommendation to you. So all deeds in Eastern Gondor are complete for one class trait point, which gives me 79 total, which is the current max in the game. Um, so what do I do with that one point? Well, the problem is, what can one point do for you with your main tree full? Um... Nothing. So you need two points to build out either of your side trees. So uh, at least in my redline build, uh, I respect. And uh, I did a little balancing. I took a point or two out of the main tree that I didn't need for things like power regen, which really aren't a problem, or things that... uh, you know, not quite as crucial, and I got just enough points so I could reach a little deeper into the blue line to get Shield Smash on my red line guard, um, which is one of the you know nicer, higher crit skills that you can get from a DPS standpoint. Shield Smash, you're you know, in a guard. Um, if you're if you're if you're in blue line, you get all three skills that are in the chain. But if you're in the other uh, trees, you only get two. Uh, but getting 79 points was enough for me to reach uh, into my uh, blue line, uh, just enough to get Shield sm- Shield Smash. The other choice I might have made was to get Thrill of Danger. Uh, which is the guard skill for power replenishment, and it kind of scales based on the number of mobs you're facing, which is nice. Um, that may be my next choice, uh, for whenever I get two more points, and and here's why. Um, so, I noticed in my deed log I needed one more roving threat in Central Gondor to finish off that deed for that zone. It was Skithjaw, the, um, the giant red and purple spider that's usually south of Ringlow Vale. Um... So I went out to find him. I made a call out to see if anybody wanted to join me. No one did, so I decided I'd try the solo one. So I went full buffs, uh, meaning I ate food, I you know used a tomb, I put on scrolls, and uh, you know and any buff that I had available, I went out and did it. And uh, this is one of those fights I really had a lot of fun with because it was a good balance, right? So Skitjaw has over 500k morale, and uh, when you're when you're soloing with all you want to do is find balance where you can keep your health up using your your various self heals and you don't lose too much power so that you when you run out of power you're done you know if you can just slowly work them down while maintaining the balance with your own um with your own stats you know it can be fun to solo stuff with a guard a little slow um so, you know, the, the big problem with that mob is that he has a very serious poison, but, you know, with the poison removal skills that each tune has now in game, um, I barely used a pot. I think I used maybe one when I had two or three that were on me at one time. Um, the only way I would have lost this fight would have been if I run out of power. So right now, there's two ways for the guard to replenish power without thrill of danger. Uh, that is to do is catch a breath, which has a morale uh, power replenishment component. And the other is to use a pot, obviously. And between those two things, I would have run out of power uh, hitting it. Air- hitting each one whenever they were up and available, I would have run out of power in this fight um, over the course of the maybe 15 minutes that it took to finish if I had not also used um, a few rejuvenation potions. So I know people laugh at the rejuvenation potions you get for a Hobbit presence, but they can be useful just because they're on a different cooldown from your regular potions. Um, since they're on a different cooldown, um, you can use them uh, you know, to supplement power Uh, power replenishment in the guard. And I maybe used three or four over the course of the fight, um, which was just enough to sustain me so I didn't run out. At the end, I was scraping zero on power, but I didn't need it because it had uh, I got him down to something. So, um, so that was fun. I finished off the kit finished off that deed, and uh, Greg hasn't been doing big battle repeats. We'll see how much activity he has now that he's done with uh, all the central, the Eastern Gondor content. Um, now, I guess I could use him to earn tokens for some of my other tunes potentially, so I'll look at that. But I'll definitely be uh, more active on some of my other tunes going forward. Uh, I did get a Hobbit present of a Starlight like Crystal, which is one of the nicer ones I've had in a while. Um, those can be worth a, a goodly amount at this point. I've also been messing about with a two-hander for my garden, and I've decided to craft a level second-age 100 or maybe even a first-age 100 two-hander to imbue to see what the DPS levels are up to when I do that in Redline, just to experiment with it. Uh, I've got tons of second-age symbols, and I could probably even scratch out a first-age one if I wanted to, although I'll probably use those for some other upgrades that I've got that are pending. And... uh, Bragg's been waiting on his bingo quests. I think I left him in the Forsaken Inn. I know he's well past that now. So I'll have a nice long adventure at some point soon. If I do play Bragg, that could be one of the things I focus him on. Aside from that, I went Christmas shopping. So lots of sales in the Turbine store over the last few weeks. And uh, I'm usually not a huge cosmetic guy, but I found some cosmetics were on sale. And I found some backpacks that I thought were pretty cool. There's the Cook's Backpack, which kind of makes you look like Patsy from... um, Uh, from the Monty Python and the Holy Grail and then there's the in-league survival pack which is basically a big keg on your back which I thought just just thought was fun Um, I've got a ton of cloaks but I couldn't resist the cloak of the mountain wolves which happened to match the outfit I was wearing perfectly so I bought that and subbed that in and since I was buying these cosmetics I went ahead and bought additional 10 wardrobe slots so right now I've got 210 and I've got about 201 of them filled I had just enough money left over Uh, about 200 turbine points after that spending spree to buy the ground roll emote, which is only 195 turbine points. I've always wanted it and it was relatively cheap, equaling almost exactly what I had in my account before I would be broke again. So I went ahead and bought it um, when I found out there was no way to earn it in game. So now I can roll around in the ground and look kind of silly. You can do some fun stuff with it. If you're jumping off of buildings and doing it at the same time or, or going backwards or sideways or, you know, Stuff like that. so uh, Just fun stuff, and I am now officially broken Turbine Points again. It's been a while since that's happened. I did more stuff uh, on Bragg that I'll talk about when I move to Landril, but I'll leave that for an upcoming beacon. Uh, Aside from that, um, Björning is messing about still with Hitbold, and uh, only the Kindred with the Norcrofts, and then two Reputation levels with the Wold, and uh, we'll be ready to experience that final instance of Hitbold again. Uh, my Minstrel is poised to do the Osgiliath three-mans to finish the epic questline in there, and should be easier to find groups for that now with the server consolidation. And my Cappy's the one that's been doing the majority of Myth Tierth questing now. He's nearly done in the keep, and cleaning up Carendros. Um... Funny story on the cappy. I had a bug talking to a smith in the marketplace for one of the quest completions. Uh, Basically, I found the guy's ring. I knew he was standing right next to me because I'd done the quest before on my main, and I couldn't click on him. I think he had basically fallen through the floor uh, or gotten caught up in some of the landscape layers, and he was not clickable. So I bugged it, and... um, You know, waited for a Game Master. And in my experience, if you log out after you ask for the Game Master, they'll close your ticket if they don't find you online. So basically, you're kind of stuck sitting there waiting. You know, you can do some other stuff, but uh, you have to be online when he joins you, or you'll have to open another ticket. So after about, I don't know, 20, 25 minutes, uh, Game Master appears in a cloud of feathers. Matter of fact, that's exactly what it said in the chat. Um, so-and-so appears in a cloud of feathers, and he's wearing a chicken hat, and, uh, there were feathers flying. He had a rather fanciful outfit on, uh, was kind of funny, and, um... He was chatting with me as he uh, addressed the issue. It didn't take him long to find out exactly where the NPC was that I needed. He made him reappear right in front of me. He uh, fish slapped him several times to make him behave properly. Uh, Asked me if I needed anything else. I told him I was good and thanks for the help. And uh, this was kind of awesome. It made the wait for the Game Master worth it. He said, hey, I like your outfit. Uh, Let me send you a little something in the mail. And a couple minutes later, I received a writ uh, to earn the fashionable title on my captain. So I am now Brenthor the Fashionable. As some of you guys may remember, Lotro used to have fashion weekends where... um, Invisible Game Masters would hang out in population centers like Bree, and occasionally would hand out uh, these writs to people that were wearing uh, especially cool outfits um, for the title the fashionable. And it was pretty rare to get one of those, so it was fairly prized. And uh, I certainly never thought that I would ever get one in the game, uh, but the guy liked uh, the combination of my hairstyle and hat that I was wearing for this particular character, and uh, it, was, uh, it was certainly a nice little, fun little thing that I never thought I'd get in the game that uh, my captain now. So he is, he is proudly displaying his fashionable title. And coming up on the Epic Big Battles, um, so I'll be experiencing them again with him soon. Uh, besides that, I've just been doing a little Central Gondor rep grinding with my berg, working towards that Vanguard title there. And that's quite enough about what I've been doing in-game. <laughs> I'm going to go to sleep. I know how to wake up. I've got an idea. Okay, here I am on top of the pier at Minas Tirith once again. And, uh, you know... Just looking out over the Pelinor fields and the enormity of the enemy, I am thrown into despair, and much like Denethor, I shall light myself on fire and leap! <sighs> Alright, no deed. What was that? Number eight? Can't remember. Something like that. <laughs> Eight and counting. You know what's kind of fun as you're falling is to spin your mouse in a big circle so you can take in all the landscape as you're plummeting. Uh, did I hit my beacon yet? There it is. We're on to Kalanhad. No, are we? No. What the? Quality control. Grime, I edit this part out. Okay, here we are. Erelas, fourth beacon. Uh, So, I want to talk to you guys a little bit about um, a game that I played this past uh, week called Richard and Alice, an independent game. And what is the role of independent gaming uh, in the industry or for you? You know, not going to get too deep here, but maybe just a little deeper. So, first, let me describe the game. Uh, Obviously, it's one that I inquired in a humble bundle, so probably paid you know seven or eight bucks for four or five games. One of which I really wanted, and the rest that were just thrown in. And uh, you know, may sit in your queue forever, or you may elect to play one. Um, I elected to try one out after I finished Portal 2. Uh, So let me describe the game really quickly. Uh, Mechanics are pretty simple. This is uh, basically a point and click to move around. Point and click to manipulate an object in your environment and uh, pop it into your inventory. You can click two items in your inventory to combine them to use them in different ways that uh, you might not have considered. And basically, it's very text driven. So as you move around an area, it's not like you're. The movement's very clunky. The. Uh, you know the figures are pixelated; they're not very smooth. They're just kind of, a, you know, a representation to have you manipulate around the environment. And um, you know, as you go into a structure, you might get a, a new screen that would open up with you inside, and you'd see some very simple uh, rooms where you could move around, open a cabinet, find a piece of paper in it, you know, read the piece of paper, put it in your inventory, that kind of thing. Um, so the setting is, of course, dystopian future. Uh, there's been some kind of apocalypse, and uh, the world is freezing, and so food is scarce, and um, you know you get the idea that there's been a, a, a bit of a culling of the population, and survivors that uh, that are hard put to. Um, and in this particular case, there are two characters that appear in a prison, a futuristic prison, and they start to talk to each other and uh, get to know each other a little better. And through vignettes, uh, you learn about some of their experiences on the outside before they join the prison to find out who they are, what their circumstances are, how they came to be in the prison, and, and you know basically what are their stories at this point. Um, so this is a very story-driven game. Uh, the graphics are very simple. The puzzling, you know, there is some some rudimentary puzzle solving that's involved in the game, but it's, it's pretty simple, too. The puzzle, you know, is really not the point, right? I mean, so you do have to solve some rudimentary puzzles to get through the game, but, you know, the point is really... You know this is the story that's being told as part of the independent game. Um, so why play a game like this? Well, first of all, the price. <laughs> Yay, humble bundles. You know the rudimentary puzzle solving. You know not too hard, but you know can be satisfying still to solve a little a little issue. You know of course there's one or two puzzles in the game that's like, all right, what do I do now? I could just walk around and bumble and touch everything I find, but you know an internet search might save me 15 minutes, and this game's not good enough for me to want to spend that 15 minutes figuring out what they want me to do next sorry um do you play for the graphics no (laughs) you play for the story and it's one that has actually interestingly enough multiple endings based on choices you make in the game which i always find interesting uh, when those kinds of choices are incorporated um Now, to see all those endings, you would have to play the game multiple times and make different choices to get to all the different ends of the logic branch of the trees. And unfortunately, the game's not that much fun that I would ever go back and do that just to experience a different ending. Um, You know, I think the point of this game is that it has a theme that either can't or won't be explored in this fashion in a big mega game. Uh, so there's lots of big mega games where, you know, it's an apocalyptic future and you're fighting to survive. But in this instance, the, the very basic um, dialogue between the two characters in the prison talking to each other from opposite cells that reveals kind of uh, both a disturbing and an upsetting story about how they came to be where they are and how what the connection is between them that they discover over time is one that would never appear in a blockbuster title like a, you know, like a Fallout or anything like that. Um, you know, it's an indie game that can afford to explore these types of things and be a little different and, you know, not basically not have any action in the game whatsoever um, and take a risk in exploring some some disturbing story themes, you know, that uh, you know wouldn't necessarily be part of a blockbuster title. Um, you know, and here's the other benefit. It's only three hours of gameplay, maybe a little bit less if you know exactly what you're doing and do it very quickly. And sometimes it's nice to have a three-hour game that you can finish, that you can check off your list, almost as a sorbet to cleanse the palate before leaping into another 80 or 120-hour mega epic game. Plus... Yay for the little guy! Independent developers—they uh, need our support too. That's that's how they, you know, that's how new in, in ideas get injected into the industry, and uh, hopefully, big game, uh, big game companies take notice and uh, you know, either give these people, uh, you know, creative jobs themselves or. Um, or take the input and uh, push the medium forward in different ways. So that's my uh, view on Richard and Alice and the role of indie gaming, uh, small small indie games like that. If you, if you have an indie game that you've acquired through a humble bundle that you weren't expecting much from but really enjoyed, I'd like to hear about it. Let me know what you liked and um, maybe I'll... Take a look out there and give it a shot. Um, next on my list after Arkham Asylum, I think, is a game that I picked up that uh, my son played the demo of called The Stanley Parable. And that one is, looks, I also got that on the Steam sale, and that looks really different and funny. And uh, a very different kind of game, but one that I think will be fun to explore. So that's uh, the next one that I have up on my docket. Let me know if you've got anything that you're looking at. In the meantime, We'll go on to our next beacon. Momentarily, that is. Just another little matter to take care of first before we move on to our next beacon. This time, I'm sure I'll be able to stop in time. I don't really want to die. I just want a quick view up to the edge and a quick stop. And oh, darn it, I missed again. And I'm falling, and I'm falling, and I'm dead again. (laughs) And I lost count. I think that's nine. It's either eight or nine. It's probably nine. (laughs) All right. So this week, the Fifth Beaconmen Rimon, the original word from our sponsor segment. Listen, friends, it's the holidays. And it's a material time of year, but I'd like you to forget some of those material desires. All of you clamoring for amphilas scrolls of empowerment or, or crystals, starlit crystals to put into your shinies. You know, shiny uh, platinum essences to, to to deck out your character with, all those new cosmetics, fun sales that are going on. I'd like you to take just a minute to think about the slow-moving children. So yes, I'm here to talk to you about Safimska, the Sarah O'Cart Foundation for Slow-Moving Children, which is uh, really the um, you know, designated charity here at Light the Beacons. It's a time of year where we should all be thinking of those less fortunate than us, like people doing volume one, book one of the epic called The Hideout. If you have the time to follow Sarah all over that cave, you can find the time to write a check to Safemská, the Sarah Okart Foundation for Slow-Moving Children. So give generously this holiday season, because your time is a terrible thing to waste. Moving on to our next Beacon Hat. Okay. I'm reasonably sure this will be my tenth time, maybe, Jumping off the pier, the top of Minas Tirith, and I'm just going to give myself an extra speed boost here at the end. Maybe I can make the gates this time. There he goes, and this will be for the deed. I'm sure of it. Here I go. Come on. Ooh, I did make the gate almost. Wow, that was close. I get farther out that time. no Master Descender deed, really? Or, you know, maybe in the footsteps of Denethor or something along those lines? All right, so I don't remember Anandwaith. uh Maybe it was 12 or 15. We'll keep trying. I'll report back. This really needs to be a hidden deed. Don't you guys think so? In the meantime, let's talk about uh, our six-beacon had uh, World Transfers. First of all, the transfer experience itself. I still see people, lots of people in chat going, "Uh, just got back from playing the game after like two years. What is this transfer nonsense? How do I do it? Lots of questions. Know why? Because they don't go out to the forums, which that's perfectly legit. People shouldn't have to go out to the forums to get this information. All right. Uh, Beat that dog to death. Uh, As far as my own transfer experience, uh, I think I tried it with one right the day of when it became available in the afternoon, probably a peak period. I tried it with one tune and uh, just as an experiment, not my main either. And I believe it took two, maybe two hours to get done. Uh, And when that was successfully completed, I launched a transfer of uh, four or five additional tunes. And I want to say that uh, all those tunes together took maybe two hours again. uh, Maybe two and a half, which I thought was decent, or a little less. That was a little later on in the evening. And then at night, uh, right before I went to bed that evening, um, I launched another single character transfer uh, from another server, and uh, that one came back in probably 20 minutes almost. Uh, less than half an hour, so um, I thought that was pretty reasonable, um, you know, given the the glut of uh, people that were probably, uh, you know, leaping off at that point. When I was in Villiers watching the chat, there were people saying, "Here I go, goodbye, everybody, goodbye." It was like you know they were like all stepping on the gangplank to get on the uh, uh, get on the ship to Valinor or something like that. Um, which was kind of a nostalgic experience, as I I mentioned. But, uh, you know, I thought I'd be nostalgic when I hit the transfer button to send Bragg over, but, uh, you know, really wasn't that bad. And uh, I think there's a reason for that. First of all, I still have a couple tunes on Villy. I'll explain that why. Um, I've got a foot in each world right now. So the problem is that I've got some... Baby Dwarves that had created characters on Landro already, and about half the slots on that server were filled with those tunes. And the problem is, uh, you know, I could delete one or two of those that were still pretty early, but some of them they'd spent some significant time on, and it wasn't fair to do that and the, the ability to transfer off of Landraville is not going to open up until the first week of January. I think they give us a week then, and then there's like a full month, like a couple months later, something like March or April or something along those lines. So um, during that first week in January is uh, my opportunity to take these additional tunes and move them off of Landraville uh, to one of the other remaining servers, which should open the spots I need to remove, move my remaining tunes off of Vilia so right now my tunes are spread across two worlds which is kind of interesting um, you know there's there's consequences to that uh, <clears throat> when I moved to Bragg I moved our shared storage <clears throat> and uh, when I was back on Vilia with one of my other tunes doing some rep grinding in central Gondor, um, I went to the skirm camp to buy some uh, rep accelerators, and lo and behold, I had zero marks and zero medallions, so I could not buy rep accelerators at a skirm camp in Vilja. Um, You know, oftentimes at the end of the night, I'll mail crafting materials uh, to whatever tune I've been playing to all the different alts that could use them. And right now I can only do that to a couple of them and the others I have to sit on. You know, my patterns are disrupted. Um, Some of my crafters, if I wanted to craft a legendary item, I've got uh, master crafters in all guilds, but um, some of them are on one server and some of them on the other. So uh, some of that crafting, if I needed it, might have to wait until server consolidation is complete. Um, so what else is going on? Uh, the new crowd. There's a new crowd. There's bustle in Minas Tirith and bustle in Bree, and uh, you know more so than I experienced on Vilia. Probably not. You know, not uh, not a scary amount. Um, so far, I really like it. Uh, it's a good level. It's not. It's not too over the top. Uh, it's not lagging too terribly for me. And the the hardware upgrades are still pending. Um, you know, you do experience some. Some level that you didn't before, of, uh, you know, for example, public instance Ramastel Yuan and southern uh, Minas Tirith. Uh, one of the quests is to um, take down eight siege engines. And the siege engines are not shared nodes, meaning that if one guy takes one, it disappears right in front of you and you have to wait for another one to spawn. So there's a little bit of that you have to go on to deal with. Not terrible, but it's happening. And, uh, you know, the other example is doing the treasure hunt. If you're trying to pick the five berry bushes, you know, that was not very competitive in Vilia when I left. And now all of a sudden it uh, is a lot more competitive to try to get those berry bushes. Uh, not terrible, but again, you know, an inconvenience perhaps. Um, the other big difference. Well, Well, I got to do something in the game that I've only done uh, once ever in my history in Lotra, which is pretty rare, and that's to buy a house. Um, So uh, when I (coughs) was trying to determine where to live in Landerville, I decided I was going to correct a great wrong. And uh, the great wrong was that when I picked my original homestead, I picked it for the port that you got along with it. and I decided to, uh, to make myself at home in the Shire in order to get a Shire port uh, because uh, my character had a port to Theron's Hall. And I knew you could earn a port to Brie uh, through rep, but I didn't, didn't know how I was, was going to get a port to Mickledelving at the time. Um, so uh, I was a dwarf living in the Shire for many years. And don't get me wrong, I liked the Shire. The houses were pretty, it was peaceful but it never felt quite right. And so when I bought a house in Landreville, I took myself to Erluene, and I went into the housing uh, area there, which I had kind of longingly looked at many times in the past. And uh, as as you may have done before, I, I just picked one instance at random, went around to all the different homes to find maybe the two or three areas that I was interested in most, and then went out to the housing broker and found neighborhoods where those were available. Uh, Now, the interesting thing about the housing neighborhoods is that uh, this is kind of silly, you know, for the best sites, often you're going to go to a neighborhood that doesn't have a lot of people in it, because if it's one of the best sites, it's one of the first ones taken. So, getting a good site sometimes means that you're going to be in an empty neighborhood, which is kind of a a little bit of a drag. Certainly, there are some other homes taken in my neighborhood, uh, but not that many. They're kind of scattered around. The second thing that's, of course, silly is that all the the base houses are open. (laughs) Very rare to find a base house that's taken. Everyone wants a deluxe house, because it has more storage, of course. And... You know, the gold to buy one and pay the upkeep is not a problem in the game anymore. So who would get a basic house? Uh, not too many people that I know. So in most of the instances you look up, they've got you know eight basic houses open and no deluxes, or maybe one deluxe or one kin house, uh, which is you know kind of silly. Um, the problem is that to change that, they'd have to go back and redesign the entire housing neighborhood, which I'm sure is more trouble than it's worth for them. But they probably could resolve it by uh, allowing you to get a deluxe and a base house, maybe uh, you know, for a primary alt or something, or um, doing something to use the space. Yeah, seems kind of silly. Um, so maybe they need to increase the housing allowance to let you get two. Might cause some issues that I'm not thinking of, but there you go. So anyway, uh, I have a new house there at and looking out at the ochre brown and grey stone uh, does my dwarf heart proud. The giant columns rising into the uh, into the stony mists. Um, it's kind of funny if you look inside the house, uh, instead of windows, there's just like little stone portals that don't actually lead to outside at all. They're just kind of decorative. <laughs> but the, the glass is stone so you can't see through it. Uh, but I feel very much at home. I've got a little more decorating to do. Um, because some of the items were left behind, and my other tunes that uh, need to get them out of escrow. When everyone's consolidated, I'll make the final touches, and I think I will be very happy there, and probably not touch it again until uh, <laughs> until they get a new neighborhood or they revise the ho- housing system, which might never happen. Um, so the other big difference: role play in the Prancing Pony, uh, as advertised. Every night that I've gone into the Prancing Pony. Uh, since I've gone on Roll every night that I've stopped in, there's been music bands playing, and there's be people doing RP, uh, heavy duty RP. you know, sitting around talking to each other, uh, using the great text emote uh, text uh, to great effect. Um, you know these these people are pros. They know what they're doing. They they have the uh, you know the emotes coordinated with their text. The text describes their emotions. Their their uh, their stance, their movements, their expressions. Um, you know, and I, I got, for a couple minutes, I got deeply absorbed in a conversation between an elf and a dwarf arguing about the uh, legacy of the races and uh, Luvatar's. Um, you know, grand design for how they should interact and and uh, you know the different traits that've been given to them over time and referring to presence and so forth and all very much in character. So I have to say I, I'm enjoying it. I'm am enjoying seeing the prancing pony busy and I'm enjoying seeing um, you know dropping in and eavesdropping on some of those conversations and certainly I've seen some great bands already in Landerville uh, the likes of which I hadn't seen on Billy pre- uh, previously. So I think I'll enjoy that aspect of it. I don't know how much I'll use it, but I'm sure I will at time. Other impact areas. Well, the chat. It's kind of hard to explain, but it's just a different tone from Vilia, and it certainly scrolls by more quickly with the amount of people that are uh, contributing. So, the tone's not necessarily bad, but just more, more. So, if you get more chat, you're going to get more, you know, and you have the same amount of it that's trolling, you're going to get more trolling. But I think it will be okay. Um, there's certainly a lot of help. Helping helpful folks with uh, you know a chorus of them chirping in to answer any question, which is always nice to see. Um, there's certainly a more robust economy in auction house. Uh, there's a lot of chat going back and forth, complaining about prices for this, prices for that. Um, I've seen a lot of people trying to buy the blessing and the valor um, skill for you know 500 gold or more. Um, so there seems to be a bit of a uh, an economy up around that. Uh, there's certainly more calls I've seen for pugging instances. Yay! Uh, I will likely join a kin at some point but I told myself I was gonna wait until I got comfortable here to make sure I made the right choice and saw a bunch of different options so it might be a few weeks yet at least. Um, so in the, in the interim it's nice that there are lots of pugging opportunities. You get more help in the public instances like I mentioned previously. And crazily enough, a little more recognition for the Bragmeister. Perhaps could be because Lendable's community is more likely to follow the podcast community and heard of me, but um, I've been recognized in-game a couple times when I've piped into chat and gotten some private tells and I have to say I I both like and dislike being recognized which is kind of a funny attitude I know it's it's just a little unusual to say something in world chat and then get a private tell back from someone who's listened to the show don't get me wrong it's cool I'm just going to take a little getting used to and and some days when I for whatever reason feel like being a little more incognito that's what alts are for I guess anyway I want to say a big thanks to all those who have welcomed me here on Landerville including uh and many others. Uh, The community so far has been really great. Uh, That being said, it's also really fun to see familiar faces from Vilia and feel like we are part of a secret little club. As a matter of fact, I'd be interested to see if Kins were to spring up around expat server communities in Lotro over time. The Villians. Hmm. Interesting. Well, that brings us to Halifurian. This is a long podcast indeed. It's time for blessed relief. I could use a bit of an ale. That brings us to the end of the 46th episode of Like the Beacons, creeping up on that non-important number of 50. I would love to hear your plaudits, feedback, rants, diatribes, and most of all, your constructive katrik. You can contact me at balance at gmail.com. That's Bragg with two A's. The second A stands for a whole new world. A whole new... Stop that. Stop that. You're not going into a song while I'm here. Facebook or Twitter at BraggsonofBallin. On our website at lightthebeacons.com where you can post comments directly on the podcast. Kindly request iTunes reviews, very much appreciated. Dwarven apathy, blah, blah, blah. I hope you laughed either at or with me. I hope you might have learned at least a little something you didn't know before. Or perhaps looked at the game with a slightly different perspective on a whole new world. And most of all, I hope you enjoy your week in Middle-earth. This is Brag, the son of Balan, signing off. Baruch Kazad, And remember, the next time you transfer servers... And realize you forgot to take that bag of long leaf out of the bottom of your backpack before you got in the line for customs? Don't despair. Light the beacons. And now, by no request at all, the Little Drummer Boy, as sung by Gollum, Treebeard, and Grima. Enjoy and happy holidays. This is stupid. Come and he told me, ba-ba-ba-ba-ba, ba 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 ring to see. ba-ra-ba-ba-ba, ba it was my Birthday wasn't bow and bam bam bam. Oh I'm sure it was Hey, He gave to me. Bury Bury, bum, bums. Bums. Bury. Bury bam Bury. bam Bury. Sus- Bury. Bury. bam 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 so I had him tight bam 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 Yeah bet you did With all my might. Oh my gosh. Disgusting. (laughs) But, bag and (laughs) stalls from me. (laughs) Ba rampa (laughs) bam 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 bam. He has a trick (laughs) to (laughs) me. (laughs) Ba rampa bam bam bam. This is dumb, 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 dumb. But his finger was yummy oh come on really and then i danced with Glee. clown be 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 Bum, be be bum. be bum, be be and be I like a Bum, 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 bum. Come on, Willie. Bah, humbug. Merry Christmas indeed. May a lump of coal await you all. Or better yet, a burning hot piece of coal down your stocking, and then I'll put it on your foot. Bah.